Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport on a funny old day nine of Wimbledon 2017, which has seen defending champion Andy Murray crash out. It's seen the withdrawal of the champion of two years ago, Novak Djokovic, and a couple of times before that as well, trailing by a set to Thomas Burdick. It has seen a supreme, a sublime performance by Roger Federer, and it has seen a five-set battle between Marin Cilic and Gilles Miller, won of course by the seventh seed Marin Cilic. This is a tennis podcast, I'm Catherine Whitaker, I'm joined by David Law and for the first time this fortnight by the Telegraph's Charlie Eccleshare. Charlie, it has been a weird day hasn't it? It has been a weird day, yeah. I think with you know, Murray going out was one thing, to then have Djokovic as well just a couple of hours later, I think everyone felt a bit shell-shocked. So, David, you were commentating, I, I must say, with Goran Ivanovic and Mats Verlander for Five Live on the Murray Query match. One of the most entertaining commentaries that I've ever heard on the radio, actually, as Thomas Burdick walks past us looking pretty sprightly indeed. Yeah, not, not surprising he looks sprightly. Uh, I think I had about 4% of to do with uh, that entertaining element to the podcast because Mats Verlander and uh, Goran Ivanovic were both fantastic. Uh, but. I- yeah, it was. A, it, you said at the start it was a weird old afternoon, and not least because for a set and a half, to my mind, that was the best tennis I'd seen all fortnight from Andy Murray. He he was leading a set and four three with a break. It looked vintage Murray, and no sign of any ill health at all. He then threw in a game which I think he lost to love. And from there, he was never the same again. Even though he won through the third set on a tie-break, he was scrapping. He was having to do what he did in the other rounds. And it did increasingly look as though he wasn't well enough to, to really win the match. And I don't want to take anything away from Query. It feels unfair. But that wasn't the real Andy Murray out there for the last two and a half sets. No, 6-1, 6-1, the fourth and fifth sets. It's difficult with Andy Murray, isn't it, Charlie? I know that you were in his press conference. He never tells you if there's a physical issue. He both plays his cards close to his chest during the tournament when he's still in because he doesn't want to give the game away. He doesn't want to give his opponents anything to cling on to. And then when he's lost, he doesn't want to say anything because it could be viewed as unsportsmanlike. So we're kind of left to speculate and read between in the lines. But surely that the hip was an issue today without question surely yeah it was and yes he keeps his cards close to his chest but 
there are times when his actions are more revelatory and he was break points down when he was 4-3 up in that second set and he served a first serve at 96 miles an hour now you know I don't care you know you what you you want to vary your play sometimes but you don't when you're at a huge point so a first serve at 96 miles an hour a crucial point in the match that you need to win so I think that was far more telling than anything he said because as you say afterwards he didn't want to go into details and I think he may well not divulge that until after he's played how bad it was this week and he did kind of say to Claire Balding the audio of that interview was just uh, played on Five Live as I was walking down here uh, he did kind of say that had it not been she asked with the physical injury you've, you've got if it hadn't been Wimbledon would you have played and he still sort of started saying I think I would have played had it been any slam implication if it weren't a slam I wouldn't have played but then he sort of stopped himself and rode yeah. back and started speaking more generally but that's what it sounds that's, like to that's me that's the reading I took from it as well and I, I think you're right I think he suddenly thought well I don't want to I don't want to sour grapes or anything like that. I don't want to give people too much of an insight maybe into how bad it is. He said he will sit down tomorrow with his team and work out what the next plans are. And and Novak Djokovic is in a similar kind of position, albeit it sounds a lot more serious. He was talking about a year and a half having suffered with this elbow problem. And, and it does sound as though he needs to have a proper reboot of the body. It does. Should we talk about Sam Querrey before we talk about Novak Djokovic? All right, then. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Um, because he was good today. He was, he, he, he was great. And uh, it will go down as, as the match that Murray lost due to the famous hip injury. But he still had to be beaten. He still had an awful lot of fight in him. And he still had to be roundly beaten. And he was. Yeah, well, I mean, put it this way. Murray's played four people earlier in the tournament who you now look at and think, well, if they'd really believed in themselves and really gone for it, then shouldn't they have been beating Murray? Because They'd gone for just a few fewer tweeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, played in a slightly less cavalier way. I mean, Sam Querrey was the first non-Maverick opponent that Murray's had. He came out, he hit his spots, he was very consistent. He played smart, he said after the match, yeah, he was kind of aware that Murray was having problems, so he moved him around. And he served incredibly well. And Greg Rosetsky talked about it at the start of the tournament that one of the issues Murray has is that explosivity. And one of the things Murray does so well is those split-second reactions. He did it to Raonic in last year's final. And he just couldn't do it today. And Query just kept on finding the lines, hitting those big serves, and it was too much. Don't be a maverick, maverick kids. It doesn't work. That's the, that's the take-home message. Be like Sam Query. Yeah, that's why I've never got anywhere in life. I'm too much of a maverick. But He's going to get himself a reputation for being the, the guy that knocks out the ailing champions, isn't he? <laughs> it's harsh, isn't it? it is I mean, anyway, he might win the tournament. And Catherine Whitaker's got him in the sweepstakes. I and, have got him in the sweepstakes. Yeah. I am 100% a Sam Quarry glory supporter in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? I do think as well, though, it is. it does feel different from Djokovic because retrospectively we all suddenly realised yep okay Djokovic has his issues physical and off the court but at the time Djokovic had won 30 straight matches and going into that everyone was thinking this whole tournament could be a cakewalk for Djokovic you know he'd won the four previous majors whereas today he had more of an upset kind of written all over it when you think about it just because of the the physical problems Murray's had throughout the tournament I'd agree with you I just the, the only really shocking element for me was that Murray had led a set and 4-3 and was playing so well that was when I, I just 
did not see this coming remotely. I did notice, though, that at that sort of point, when he broke back and ended up taking that second set, Query started to really hit out, and particularly on his backhand side. He's known as a serve and forehand man, where he flattened out that backhand and he went for it. And he clearly decided, you know, that's the only way I can win. And I think that that then probably got inside Murray's mind a bit. I think that had it carried on the way it was query would probably become sufficiently demoralized i think andy murray would have become sufficiently reassured that he could stick with it and then i think he took a real blow by losing the second set by you know the guy staying around and it he he looked a bit just deflated by it all really murray as well as the physical elements i think it just it just popped his balloon a bit. On the positive side, from a British perspective, David Law, you did manage to elicit during your Five Live commentary both the revelation that Goran Ivanovic would be open to an offer to participate in Strictly Come Dancing and the description from 2001, BBC, uh, 2001 Wimbledon champion Goran Ivanovic of his dating technique as, quote, chip and charge. Yes. He was explaining that... Uh, yeah, I've always taken that, that policy. And, and he didn't just bring this up out of nowhere. We were discussing um, millionaire matchmaker that Sam Query had been When he on. started winning, everyone started scrambling around for interesting things to say about Sam Query and reached <laughs> no. for the millionaire matchmaker no, story. the second set. And Goran said, you know, it's not like when I was around. I mean, we couldn't go on reality shows in order to get a date, you know, or, or sit in front of the computer. You actually had to talk to people. And for some reason, somebody asked... Right, so what, what, what were your methods then? He said, chip and charge. You know, you might get passed or lobbed occasionally, but, but you know, you've just got to still keep going. It's pretty impressive in your second language to produce a dating-based tennis pun like that, I would say. Yes, I was quite impressed. Credit to Goran Ivanovic. I was, I was also pretty worried about the way it was going and was trying to think, right, how do I get the best anecdotes without getting us in massive trouble? Anyway. You walked the line with perfection and, and we've done a pole vault about whether Goran Ivanisovic should go on Strictly I've Come Dancing I've participated in a pole vault for Catherine the very first time has voted how does it feel Catherine if it, uh, look if all pole vaults were like that I'd be fully on board what did you vote I voted absolutely 100% yes surely I mean surely that's a landslide vote in favour it's, it's actually there's, there are a good 32% that don't want to see him in Strictly Come Dancing so far there's still joyless plenty of time people. there's to, no accounting for joyless people but you know I have challenged on air the BBC bosses to uh, you know yes David we'll yes. see yes using your powers for good uh, now I'm not then, sure if I'm allowed to have done that uh, but I did it Novak Djokovic um, a very different situation albeit with the same sort of injury based headline retiring trailing by set to Thomas Burdick I mean he was serving at below 100 miles per hour throughout the whole match pretty much he has subsequently said in press that it wasn't the shoulder that we feared would be the issue going into the match it was actually the elbow he says it's been an issue on and off to varying degrees for the last year and a half he said in the Serbian portion of his press conference that he might need to take six months off which would of course mean missing the US Open it doesn't sound good for Novak Djokovic Charlie no, I mean, it's, it's a strange one. Because I was in Eastbourne a couple of weeks ago and he was you know, full of the joys of spring, seemed to be enjoying his tennis again and he looked fit, he looked fresh. And then yesterday he covered the Manorino match and all those niggles and ailments suddenly seemed to be back. And I don't know how much of it was a mental thing. Clearly today it was a physical thing. But I think 
some time off would be not such a bad idea. I think that's probably true of Andy Murray as well. You know, these guys have been playing relentlessly for so many years and such a brutally physical brand of tennis. I think, you know, they might look at Roger Federer. I mean, he's obviously a unique case, but look at him and see that actually rest can do you good. And it's not just you know doing your training regimes and being more physical than your opponents he's a walking advert for time off isn't he <laughs> every he is. time he steps I on the court I think it's a serious point because this guy has rewritten what you do if you want to get your body feeling like it used to he's nearly 36 years of age in his victory today he looked better than he has in years and it's not just the the mindset of I mean, I think his mindset is, a, is an important factor, that he is not trying to rally with people anymore. He is trying to knock them off the court with every stroke. And if he doesn't manage it in one rally, he, he reboots immediately. And, he, and in his words, he stays optimistic. He stays positive that it'll keep happening and it'll, keep, and it'll come. And, and yeah, he, he has refreshed himself to a point where I think Djokovic will look at that and think, well, you know what, I'm going to do that as well. I was just going to say, I wonder if a part of Murray looks back on that semi-final French Open run and thinks, yeah, that was good. Would I have been better off maybe missing that? Would that have given me a better chance at Wimbledon? And when you're 30 and, you know, surely thinking about accumulating as many Grand Slams as you can, is it time to start being a bit prudent, both him and Djokovic, maybe not going for absolutely every tournament and maybe pacing themselves a little better? Yeah, I mean, it's been the unthinkable before now, but Federer has made it the thinkable and I think at the very least it will start occurring to the likes of Murray and Djokovic and it would be interesting it would certainly be interesting if Djokovic does end up missing the US Open of course he's got final points to defend if he'd won today he would have gone to world number one it's crazy isn't it as, as it is there's no point in him playing like he was today that was depressing it, watching well, it, a guy it, it was. who was who is that great hitting serves of less than 100 miles an hour because he just can't it's not the main topic of discussion, given the fact that Djokovic has said in his post-match press conference that the issue is one that's been troubling him for a year and a half. But, but, and we, we've discussed it already, of course, so we don't need to go into it in detail. But looking back now on what happened on Monday, on Manic Monday, when he wasn't moved to centre court to, to complete his match and was forced to come back on Tuesday and denied his day off... That starts to look like even more of a disadvantage for him in light of what happened today, doesn't it? It definitely didn't help him, but I kind of feel with both him and Murray, if it wasn't today, it would have been later on in the tournament almost. Like It feels that they were just getting by on memory and the fact that they are so supremely talented and that their will to win is such. I kind of feel with both of them eventually, in Djokovic's case, Federer, in Murray's case, I think Cilic in the semi, quite frankly, or if not Federer. So... Yeah, I mean, clearly Djokovic got harshly done by on that Monday, but I, I don't think that'll be the difference between him winning Wimbledon and not, put it that way. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that's a good point. I like the, the, that they've been getting the, the phrase that they've been getting by on memory. That, that's sort of what I've been searching for. I remember thinking the same uh, last summer when Djokovic won Toronto and reached the US Open final. He wasn't playing like the Djokovic of before. He was just doing it on muscle memory and champion's memory and... and I think opponents still he retained the locker room aura. He was still walking out into court three love up, and it was it took there was almost a lag in in people's responses to them. And I think that's probably been the case for Andy Murray as well. But they're out of the tournament. Those that we are left with are a semi final of 
Roger Federer against Thomas Burdick. It's another bad head-to-head for, for Thomas Burdick. And Marin Cilic against Sam Querrey. Yeah, and to, to complete the story, I mean, first of all, you'd like to say well done to Thomas Burdick, but it, it feels a pretty hollow victory. It was 7-6-2 love. He's just skipped past us. He didn't look too hollow. He no, looked happy. Look, I mean, he was bouncing. It's not his fault, is it? He's through. And, and also, he, I, when, he, when he won the match, he went out into the centre of the court. He put his arms out wide to the crowd as if to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I know you were hoping to see more tennis. What can I do? But I think cumulatively, he feels like he's earned it, doesn't he? Maybe not yeah. today. Well, he's stuck in there mentally, 25, isn't he? If you get beaten 25 times, whatever it is, you probably will take the win anyway. It must can. be so hard to keep getting beaten and keep coming back for more because that is demoralising for a player. He didn't do that. Um, I, I, I was also particularly impressed with the way Chilich mentally stayed with it against the man of the moment, Gilles Muller. He went a set behind. Muller was playing really, really well. Eventually, Chilich managed to get into a fifth set and absolutely dominated from there on 6-1. And he's the big threat to me in, for Federer now. He... Look, I, I said at the outset of the tournament, I saw those two meeting in the final. Just leave that David's there. David's doing an um, face. <laughs> and uh, Charlie's also of the same opinion. I think Charlie picked that too. But na- you picked, I picked it at it the it start. First. Oh, no, I picked it once the quarterfinals. Oh, well, I'm not talking to you then. <laughs> I picked it at the start. So, anyway. Um, but uh, that having all been said, you know, we're not quite there yet. But that still feels like those are the two players that are going to meet in this final to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think B- Burdich, it, it's catching at straws. I remember the would have been the 2015 Australian Open and he beat Nadal in the semi having had a terrible in the quarters having had a terrible record against him I think it was 17-0 or something so maybe he can upset the head-to-head against Federer but it looks unlike the head-to-head is 18-6 to in Federer's favour and Burdick's last victory over Federer was in Dubai in 2013, 6-4 in the third. He did, um, he, he did beat him at Wimbledon, though, in 2010 in a four-set quarter-final. Um, yeah, in 2010. Yeah, it's I'm a while sure he, <laughs> He's going to play himself videos of that from now until Friday. The, the one that still springs to my mind between those two is the match at the Australian Open this year that was the moment that we knew something was up here because we thought Roger Federer would you know come out everybody would be delighted to see him fit again and able to play and his first two rounds in the Australian Open frankly were nothing hugely encouraging for his fans I didn't think then he played Burdick and he produced a performance that nigh on humiliated Burdick and I felt actually really sorry for Thomas in that match I it's, it's one of the best performances I've ever seen from anybody. Um, Federer beating Murray in straight sets, just about the only one I can think of. I mean, of today's performance against Raonic was pretty sublime. I mean, I think that's going to be really tough for Raonic to take because it's, there's such a direct comparison between where he was last year and, and Federer's better than he was this time last year and Raonic is probably, by the same margin, a less good player than he was last year. And and one th- one thing that uh, that struck me was how much the speed with which Roger Federer plays the game between points, how much that helped him in a match like that because for Raonic it must have just felt like it was spiralling. He had no... If felt like it was going away from him so so quickly doesn't give you a chance to to regroup and think my goodness how can I get a foothold in this match the sense of the spiraling is really helped by the speed with which he plays I think definitely it was the same with Grigor Dimitrov on Monday you just felt sorry for him because 
no sooner had he you know, ground out a, what felt like a precious service hold, Federer was coming out and holding in about a minute. It reminded me of that, um, that Murray service game in that, in that semi-final that David referenced where it took Murray more than 10 minutes to hold and Federer came out and held to love in about a minute. It's just, <laughs> where do you go from there? Utterly demoralising. Is he going to do that against Thomas Burdick on Friday? Should we say predictions well, till tomorrow? Yeah, I think we should. But yeah, I do think he will do exactly that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll save proper... I might change my mind in 24 hours, so we'll see, won't we? But uh, look, I mean, the form he's in, the state of mind he's in, I can only see a Chilich federal final. That, I think, could be competitive. We'll move on, though, and, uh, and, and get to that in due course. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Now then, we should probably just quickly look ahead to tomorrow's semi-finals. First up... Uh, it is not Joe Conter. Joe Conter against Venus Williams is the second match. First up, it's Garbina Muguruza against Magdalena Rabarakova. Could is there anybody that is giving Rabarakova the benefit of the doubt and predicting that her upset run of upsets will continue? Not me, <laughs> I have to say. But then you know we've been wrong about her numerous times this tournament. No one thought she'd beat Pliskova, and Vandaway was who I thought would win the tournament. So she's already proved me wrong a couple of times. I think Muguruza will be too strong. She's striking the ball so cleanly. She looks so confident and at ease with herself again. You know she's had a pretty rough year since winning the French. I think the weight of expectation really weighed heavily on her, and she's come here. She's you know she's a lower seed, so she's come in with fewer expectations and looks like she's in a good place and I, I think she'll come through that maybe in three sets the big one then well uh, first of all just on Rabarakova Muguruza what, what I have seen enough of from Rabarakova against two big hitters in Karolina Pliskova and Coco Vandeweghe is that she can mess with minds 
her style of game can make it awkward, can discombobulate. And Muguruza likes a regular pace. If she can upset that rhythm, it's not impossible. It's certainly not impossible. I would still pick Muguruza to win, probably in straight sets, but there's just a little doubt in my mind because of those styles. How about Venus and Conta then? We've put it off for 24 hours last night. We decided we'd allow ourselves another 24 hours before making a prediction. Now we've got you, Charlie. We don't have to. It's such a um, it's such a tough one to call that. I mean, they're so they're so well matched and they play quite similarly. And obviously, the head-to-head three-two in Conta's favour. I I think Conta will come through that. I think it will be tough, but I think she'll come through in three sets. She she. Just she looks so fearless out there, and I, I don't think the pressure will get to her. Um, and yeah, I think she'll just about have enough. That's what you said last night, David. You said you put Conta as the marginal favourite. I take it you're standing by that. Nothing's changed, has it? No, nothing's changed. Uh, I still think she's the favourite. I think she she has that relentlessness about her game, which I think causes Venus Williams problems. She drives her back with the depth and pace and weight of her shots. And I still think the the one unknown is the occasion. And she's been wonderful so far, Conta. She's dealt with every one of these big centre court, you know, whole of the nation looking at a situation. 7.4 million people but watched now that. now Murray's win. out and she's everything. Yeah, look. She's, it's all on still, her. There is still that unknown. Is there going to be a point at which she just stops in her tracks and thinks, uh-oh. Charlie's shaking what, his head. Look what is about to happen. This is the semi-finals of Wimbledon. I've got a five-time champion who used to be my idol on the court. She, Everybody in the whole country is waiting for me to do she this. She beat her idol to win her first title in Stanford. And it's about the process. It's about <laughs> staying present. Have you not been listening to Joe oh, Conta? Yeah, She's doing yoga as we speak. She's channeling Zen. But look, I think she can handle it. I think she will handle it. And I think she will win. Right then, one last bit of any think? other business. I'm agreeing with both of you and moving on quickly because I just don't feel confident about it at all. I don't feel confident about any of my you predictions. You picked her to reach the final at the start of the tournament. I did, yeah. What am I saying But I'm being for? a bit sheepish about that now because I don't know. I don't because know why. Because you might be right. Because, yeah, I don't want to crow before it's happened. Oh, that's the best bit. <laughs> yes, see David and Vanderway. Yes, uh, all right, move on. Um, one last uh, quick bit of any other business, uh, which is particularly apt because we've got you here, Charlie. IBM Telegraph teamed up this Wimbledon with IBM Watson, the uh, IBM's artificial intelligence platform, uh, to delve deeper into uh, data available uh, in tennis and analysing the various factors that weigh on a tennis match, how important they are and how relative players, how much of them relative players have in their arsenal. Today's is returning, the greatest returners of all time. Who would you guess would have come out top in that, David? I would have picked two players, personally, partly because some of the some of the data is about the coverage that it gets, not only the statistics and how many service returns you get back in court or break points you win or service return games you win, 
traditionally, the two players, when I was growing up and, and getting interested in tennis and working in tennis, the two greatest returners were regarded as being Jimmy Connors when I was a kid um, and later Andre Agassi for his ability to take the ball early. Let's not forget this is a guy who in 1992 beat uh, Boris Becker in the quarterfinals, John McEnroe in the semifinals, Goran Ivanisevic in the final, basically with the return of serve. He would stand on the baseline. He would half volley the ball back. Nobody stayed back against these servant volleyers. He did, and he beat those guys and won the title. Well, so he, he, he would be who I would have picked. That you're in fine company, David, because an artificial intelligence platform agrees with you. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> IBM Watson says that Andre Agassi is Wimbledon's greatest returner. He won 40.04% of return points, closely followed, very closely followed, by Murray. Uh, with 39.73 and Djokovic at 38.99. They've also analysed um, when those return points are won, who uses their return weapon at the most important moments, and Federer comes out top. His breakpoint conversion performance, receiving breakpoints, is 42.96%. I would never have thought of Roger Federer as one of the great returners of the game. Isn't it interesting? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of him as being that clinical on breakpoints because he's had problem, He's had problems with um, breakpoint conversions in some of his biggest matches. I'm thinking a couple of French Open finals against Nadal. So that's interesting that he's, he's so high on that. I, I, Djokovic and Murray, less surprising. I would have thought Lane Hewitt might be high up, but perhaps he is. I would have thought so too, but he doesn't feature, I'm afraid. Great apologies to Leighton. You can't argue with the data. I saw him but he's today. In all, I'm, I'm not this telling him that. This is the beauty of it, because there's a hashtag, Charlie. There's a hashtag. Brilliant. Hashtag what makes great. So if you disagree with all of this, you're very welcome to, and you can have your say with the hashtag what makes great. If you want to have a look at the data to better inform uh, your contrary opinion, then go to uh, ibm.com forward slash Wimbledon. And if you want to see what Charlie uh, and the rest of the Telegraph's excellent writers have to say about the data then go to the telegraph just don't don't disagree with me that's all i'll say i like i like that kind of summarizes twitter that here are all the facts here's the data but feel free to disagree (laughs) with it and tell us that you think better very nicely summarized charlie it's been great to have you on the tennis podcast day nine hopefully hey roger federer has just been announced into the press conference does that mean he'll be walking past us should we should we stall stall in in hopes of uh, just doorstepping Roger Federer and getting him on, on the uh, on the tennis podcast. Uh, do you know, I think we might get rugby tackled. Has to the anyone got anything interesting to say in this stalling period? Any other business? Could we try and get Federer's prediction for Friday if he does come back? <laughs> could, no. Could we try and get his opinion on whether Goran should participate in Strictly Come Dancing? That's the big stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Well, maybe we'll do a little insert if he does end up walking past us. But this, I don't, I don't feel like we're making great enough radio now Neither to justify uh, a Roger Federer insert. So I will wrap up. We've been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosports, and we'll be back tomorrow. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.